Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? What's up, Ian? Long time no see. Yes, I know. I've been quite uh, quite busy Sounds working fun. in that. Just things uh, getting out of hand. How about you? Have you been working for the weekend? Yeah, I am the uh, the tried and true lover boy. I met the lead singer of Lover Boy one time. Yep, I felt nothing on that statement. <laughs> not a fan. I mean, not a fan of him, but it was at a benefit. Met him, and uh, who's the drummer for Night Ranger that sings Sister Christian? Oh, I, I don't. I know who you mean, but I, yeah. I honestly, I'm not familiar enough with them yeah. to know all their names. You know, I saw Night Ranger. I was in. Well, this is where my parents lived in Orlando. I went to Epcot, where you go like. Mm-hmm. around the world you know that whole thing and somewhere in there there's like a stage and they were like the entertainment for the evening i gotta say not for nothing they were damn good they sounded like their records from 30 years ago you know what i mean like they they still a lot of these bands don't hold up mm-hmm. you know no i think they're a really good live band from everything i hear is it kelly yeah, they, Ke- they, kelly keegi's his name i think is it i think that's right. I, they, they were good though and they played you know, I, I, I'm very casual with them. I know, like, you know, obviously Sister Christian and a couple other tunes, but even the stuff I didn't know, I, I was enjoying. You know, it was really, they were, I got to give them the credit. Yeah, that's about all I know, too. Well, speaking of live shows, we are getting that much closer to the start of the Shake Your Money Maker tour that was postponed and is on now. And we're looking at July 20th as a start date in Nashville. Yeah, they're playing two and, nights. Yeah, 20th and 21st. And our good buddy, Brett is going to be there, and he's going to be uh, kind of doing a little correspondence work for us. Isn't that right? Yeah, so he's going to call in as soon as the show's over with, give us a review. We're just going to turn around and put that up. So hopefully when you wake up the next morning, you'll have the uh, first-hand account of what, how it went down. I'm excited about this, man. Honestly, you know, I, there's a lot of people that feel one way or another, you know, about the current tour and the current lineup and things. But I'm very interested to hear how this band gels live. I'm very interested to see what, uh, you know, all the hits is going to encompass. I, I really, I'm very, very excited that Sven is uh, back. That really makes it that much uh, more exciting for me. Just, I think it's going to be nice, man. I think people, a lot of people are going to be pleasantly surprised. Well, Chris said on that Eddie Trunk interview, I think he said they've got 35 songs they're working on. You got to think what money makers, what 10 or 11 songs. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's all going to be one long set. And so you would think then they do maybe 10 songs and then maybe an encore. I would think they're probably going to leave everybody with Remedy. That's the one that makes sense for this kind of a tour. Yeah, the thing is, like when they say all the hits, you know, a lot of people balk at that and they kind of get a little uppity about it. But really, I like all their songs, hits or not. So, you know, I'd be pretty much pleased to hear anything, really. I mean, there's, there's only a handful of songs I could take or leave live, you know what I mean? So I was going through in my head the other day, what could they possi- What could that second part of the set be? I'll throw out my ideas. You tell me what you think. Sure. You're going to get Remedy. Mm-hmm. You're going to get Thorn. Yeah. You're going to get Sting Me. Mm-hmm. You're going to get Hotel Illness. Definitely Sting Me. Hotel Illness could go either way in my mind, as much as I'd love to hear it. You're going to get a Conspiracy. Yeah, probably. And Wiser Time. Mm-hmm. 
if you get anything off of Three Snakes, it's either going to be Nebuchadnezzar or Good Friday. Yeah. Off By Your Side, you're either going to get Stop Kicking My Heart Around, Only a Fool, or By Your Side. Definitely By Your Side. You're for sure going to get Soul Singing. I would hope so. Possibly Oh Josephine. I would like them to play that because they they were so up on that song when they wrote it, and and it's a great tune, and I would like them to, at least in their minds, you know, encompass that in, in their definition of all the hits, you know what I mean? And I could see Good Morning Captain. Yeah, that could go that could go either way, but that would be a nice surprise too. And if they do any covers, it's going to be covers that everybody knows. Yeah. So, so I could see Jumpin' Jack Flash making a return, Hush. Uh, you know, Chris did Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo on As the Crow Flies. Did he really? I hope I'm. I think I remember that right. Yeah. <laughs>
the thing I the thing I am interested in if they do O Josephine is Isaiah Mitchell playing that outro. Yeah. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to hear him play. I just I what I've I mean, I've listened to Earthless and there's no doubt the guy can absolutely teetotally rip it up. And based on what he added to She Talks to Angels on the Stern show with the slide and stuff and the tone he was using, I'm I'm I know a lot of people are, you know, upset that it's not other members of the band, but I'm really 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 interested to see what he adds to it i think he's going to sound good yeah i mean he is a phenomenal guitar player and uh, definitely one of the reasons why i'm kind of interested to see where it goes I, I i really i really honestly believe people will be pleasantly surprised and i think you know those of us in the fan base that you know committed to to going to this early on you know guys like brett who are going to be there early and, and people that are going to be at some of the earlier shows i think once people start saying Hey, you know what? This is cool. This is actually a, a decent thing to see. I think more people might come around. I think there's a lot of on the fence people. You know what I mean? I think if the first couple of shows get good reviews and people see what the set list is going to be and and if you know how the band sounds, I think that will definitely help move some tickets. Yeah, I mean there are some people that are you know adamantly against that, and then, you know what? That's 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 their prerogative, and I don't. It's all subjective, so I don't take that away from anybody. But I just feel like. I've invested a lot in in this band and 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 these two brothers, and I'd like to give them the courtesy of seeing what their current direction is. You know, I, I just feel like that's that's the thing to do as a longtime fan of the band. I agree. I was trying to think the other day how much money I've probably spent on this band in my lifetime, and it's it's in the thousands. Oh, easily. I was thinking like I know like pretty much the first four CDs, I went through at least two or three copies of those. I've bought at least one, sometimes two copies of every vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably have I no telling how many shirts I have, posters, how much money I spent on nugs, downloading shows. Oh god. Uh, I've bought albums and CDs for other people to try to get them into the crows and as you know, obviously as gifts and stuff on here. So, I mean, I'm not going to spend that much money on a band and then not go see them when they especially when they haven't played in 8 years. I, I've invested a lot in the band too. I mean, not that, to mention like, all the CRB and Rich Solo st- and Magpie stuff we've bought. Well, yeah, you know that until the day I die, I will always sing the praises of the Ceaseless Sight. You know this, so you know. It's your favorite album of all time? Uh, no, Three Stinks and One Charm is my favorite album of all time. But after that, well, it's a it's a it's a neck and neck, really. And I know, like you know, a lot of people just yelled at me, but I don't care. I love that Ceaseless Sight record. It's a good album. It means a lot to me, and it and it came along at a time when I needed that record. You know, did you need a do hug? You, I, I might have. <laughs> do you do you find that though? Do you find that sometimes maybe you gravitate to a record that much more so because of the moment that you were listening to I, it? Or, I can give you, you know. two off the top of my head that are this Ryan Adams' Cold Roses mm. and Jerry Cantrell Degradation Trip Volume One and Two. Yeah. Speaking of Jerry Cantrell, he's got a solo album coming out, and it looks like Duff McKagan's playing on it. Oh, is that right? I didn't know he had something mm-hmm. coming out. I just started going back to uh, Boggy Depot for the first time in a while. I really like that one. I know you were more up on the Degradation Trip stuff, but I, I always like Boggy Depot. Degradation Trip's one of the darkest albums ever written. Yeah, that one is, is much darker. The thing I like about Boggy Depot, to a degree, it's almost like a lost Alice in Chains album. Yeah, you can tell yeah. some of those songs. Well, what Sean Kenny played on it, right? Yeah, so the drumming is in line. You know, the sound. Not, I mean, you know, Jerry Cantrell obviously was, is a huge part of the Alice in Chains sound, not only guitar-wise, but you know, his voice is all over those songs. A lot of those big hits too. So, what are some albums that 
that you identify with like that. Kenny G, ABBA. Kenny G brings me back to the uh, all the times I spent in a dentist chair. You know, Warrant Cherry Pie, <laughs> Nelson After the Rain. You know what's like that actually is um, a lot of the Van Halen stuff. Um, like I, I, and you know this about me. I'm I'm very much a fan of Van Halen three, and a large part of the reason why I'm a fan of Van Halen three is when it came out and you know what I was doing at the time and things that that brings back when I listen to it. You know I, that's why I still have a kind of a little niche in the old heart for that record. Speaking of Van Halen, we're going to be going to the Nashville Rockin' Pod August 6th, 7th, and 8th in Nashville, obviously, at the Airport Hilton. And we're going to be interviewing Greg Renoff, who wrote a fantastic book on uh, Van Halen called Van Halen Rising that got all kind of accolades. And then he wrote Ted Templeman's biography. Uh, It was an authorized biography. So we want as many of you to come see us and hang out with us uh, at Rockin' Pod as possible. Uh, you can Google Nashville Rockin' Pod, and uh, you can get tickets to come to it. It's not expensive for people. It's going to be a ton of uh, rock memorabilia there for sale, a ton of vinyl. Uh, you're going to have Billy Sheehan there, Carmine Peace, Vinny Apice, Matt Penfield, Ricky Rockman, Don Jameson, Mark Goodman's going to be there. They're going to just be walking around doing interviews. That So we've got Ricky Rockman, Toby Wright, who's speaking of Alice in Chains, produced those Alice in Chains albums. Greg Renoff, and then Mike Dawson, who is the producer for the Adam Carolla Show, obviously the biggest podcast in the world. So we're going to have a table set up. We're going to have our recorder there. We may set up something in the lobby that night of the hotel, uh, in the bar afterwards. And just if some of you are there, come and um, record with us. We're going to have uh, some koozies to get away. We may have some guitar picks. Is that right, Ian? Yes, they are en route to the uh, New York office, or uh, as better known as my home and uh, they should be here shortly. I'm excited about those, actually. And also a huge thank you to everybody that signed up and bought T-shirts. If we have any of those left over, we may bring those. Uh, we are going to do a second order of that at some point. So if you uh, missed out the first time, let us know. If we have any extras left over, we also may just put those back up online, too. But a huge, huge thank you for that. We sold a lot of T-shirts. We did, and I, I can't thank people enough for giving us their hard-earned dollars for something associated with this program. I really do appreciate that. And I, I do want the first-run people to know that uh, those original shirts will be uh, you know, just slightly unique, just so you know you have something special and something to kind of be an additional thank you for getting in on the ground floor with those. And uh, Yeah, and all the money we've made off of it is going back into the podcast for – more giveaways, buy more stuff, get more t-shirts. we got some more products we're probably going to put out. So we're not getting rich off of it, but every bit of the money is going right back into the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I have to afford the uh, meet and greet upgrade somehow. So <laughs> that's funny. No, I mean, it's really, I mean, you could tell them, David, it's really going into the uh, special edition t-shirt with uh, my huge face on one side and yours on the other. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough one. That's gonna that's gonna sell about as well as Van Halen three, Ian. It's called the Frighten the Small Children line that we're starting. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> what was the character that Chris Farley played on uh Saturday Night Live? He's like, I got a face that scares small children. That's Bennett Brower. <laughs> Not what you call camera friendly. <laughs> <laughs> so also recently speaking of uh, covers we've mentioned uh, just before what was the 25th anniversary of Neil Young's Broken Hour record, which is a very underrated Neil Young record, but 
also notable for including Big Time, which was, as you well know, David, covered by the Black Crows, like, I think within like two weeks of that album coming out. Probably before Neil Young even played it live. Yeah, and it was always one of the coolest covers they ever did. Actually, the Magpie picked it up as well years later. But uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to actually just throw it over to a, a nice live version from the 96 tour uh, of that song just to uh, just to play it, just to be silly. <laughs> so uh, just uh, we're going to throw over to that real quick, and we'll be right back.
So speaking of 25th anniversary, the 25th anniversary of Three Snakes and One Charm is this month. Obviously, we did our under-review. And by the way, thank you, everybody, for the nice comments. I think everybody really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's hard to believe that album's 25, and to coincide with it, I'm sure it's all they're all gone right now. There was a limited edition print put out, uh, and it was it said it was you know authorized by the Crows, a Three Snakes and One Charm print that looked really, really cool. I know I got in on it, and you got in on it. I did. I didn't realize it was authorized by the Crows. I think it says that in like the the heading. I mean, it was uh, it was cool. Regardless, it's something I definitely could uh, put on the wall and enjoy. But uh, you know, that album hitting twenty five. You know, any milestone for that particular album is big with me because that album. You know, as we well talked about, that album means a great deal to me. So. And it sounds like it was recorded yesterday. Yeah, a beautifully recorded album. I think it's their best sounding vinyl too. It does have new life. You know, on vinyl, I, uh, I I put out there a couple of the uh, you know the rough mixes that we had mentioned. You know, I shared that out to a few folks. If anybody else is interested in that, just you know, send us a message. I'll send you a, a little Dropbox link to it so you can uh, hear that and see what it's all about. Ian Claus. Hey man, I I just remember the days where you know you traded CDs or tapes even by mail. And, uh, you know, you had to grovel and beg certain people to share with you. And so I try to go out of my way to be the complete opposite of that and share everything I have. You give it away. What else What else are you going to do with it? I'm going to sit here and hoard it. You <laughs> know, know what I mean? I've given a crap ton of stuff away on Twitter shows and stuff like that. 
I mean, now everything's on your hard drive. You're just going to let it sit on your hard drive. And, and I mean, yeah, I can listen to it. But, what's you know, the point is I have other people listen to it. So then you can talk to them about it, you know. Right. It's a conversation starter. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I'm excited about this tour. I can't wait to uh, hear from Brett and do that whole first night rundown. And I'm sure that'll breathe even more life into the whole thing for me. And Kate will be seeing them on like the third show, and I think she has tickets for the fourth show, but she may be in jail. It's quite possible. You know, I've uh, you know that's a lot of the T-shirt proceeds will probably go to uh, bail money for Miss Thompson to uh, get her out of uh, the clink after she uh, you know gets a little too amorous with Mister Chris Robinson. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I think it's good. I, I'd like to do the meet and greet to be honest with you, but uh, I just I got to. Uh, a little mindful of the pennies right now, so hopefully it'll still be available to me as we get closer. But this week, we have a very special treat. Our guest this week, awesome guy. I I, uh, I thought he was great when I first saw him in Rich's uh, Solo Man, and then he ended up being in the, you know, the first version, the 10-piece version of Magpie Salute. Guy's played with a lot of people. Very interesting guy. And that's Nico Beresiochua. Yeah, this was a great interview. This is actually a kind of fairly revealing interview about some things. And I thought he was, I thought he had a great attitude about just doing one tour with Magpie. Very, yeah. very, just a great attitude about that. And just very thankful and grateful. And Yeah, not only a great attitude about that, but he has had a great attitude about everything. He's such a really warm and friendly guy. Definitely one of the most pleasant experiences we've had doing this podcast. And we've had quite a few, so... And, uh, you know, he's definitely someone we would uh, have back again in the future, and he seems interested in doing so. So we hope you enjoy hearing this, and it might, uh, you know, prompt you to check out some of his own material. He's got two great, great solo records. Um, I really enjoy them. One's just called Nico from, like, 2015, and then he has a more uh, recent one, both excellent records. So check those out uh, if you get a chance, and uh, we hope you uh, enjoy the interview with uh, Nico. Anything else to add, David? I think that's it. All right, everybody, so enjoy this week's interview with Nico, and we will see you next time. everybody well it's a very special day here at the state of america podcast we have a a very esteemed guest with us somebody we've been uh, trying to get on for quite some time very happy to have him mr nico beresia chua how are you doing sir i'm very well very happy to talk with you uh, thanks for coming on well nico as we were talking a little bit before we started recording the, the world went crazy about 14 months or so ago and uh you 
live in Argentina, just give us a little uh, heads up on what it's been like there from a COVID standpoint and then just from like you as a musician standpoint. Well, it, it was crazy because, you know, when COVID exploded everywhere, I was uh, I was in the U.S. I went to 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 see Rich and Chris together with the Brothers of a Feather Tour. So I was there. In fact, I was flying from Buenos Aires to San Francisco when the first COVID case actually was announced here in Argentina. And uh, I remember I was there, you know, in the U.S. It was more complicated than than Argentina was. And when I came back here, I, I had to quarantine for 14 days here at, at home. And then they shut it down. I mean, the, the whole country here. So it was crazy, like for everyone. I mean, I mean, no one was expecting something like that, of course, you know. And um, as a musician, of course, is something that it's, uh, you know, we're the first that we had to stop. And I think we're going to be the last to come back, you know, in a, to work in a fully thing, you know, like concerts or whatever, you know. And uh, the first months it was, you know, okay, we can we can use this time to, you know, to write some songs, but then you re- we realized that, you know, the the whole thing was not okay to, to write songs. I was just, I wasn't getting any inspiration with this whole thing that was going on, people dying, you know, and then, you know, everyone was asking me, hey, are you, are you writing a lot of songs? And I was, uh, at first I was, yes, yes, I'm writing a lot of songs. And then I was, uh, man, to be honest, I'm not writing any of I'm drinking wine, eating, <laughs> watching series you know and just you know waiting for this shit to to end you know but i mean uh, in argentina it's 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 very hard because musicians have to make a living well like everywhere else but you know in argentina it's more than like in the us you know you, you live from live shows you know you make money only from live shows and uh if you if you're not doing those uh you you will not get any money, and uh, there's I have a lot of colleagues that are having a really hard time, you know, to make a living, and they're selling instruments, and it's very sad to see that happening. How have you been getting by? You know, uh, what have you been doing to to uh, counteract the fact that you can't really do live shows? Well, at first, like I told you, I was just like, okay, man. Fuck this! I'm, I'm was drinking wine. Or with, I was playing poker online with my friends, and then it, it was like, okay, well, well, we have to do something. And I started to produce some songs with my friend, uh, uh, the one who plays keyboards in my band, and we were starting to produce some songs. And the only thing that we could do it was getting in the studio. That was around August, I think, because before that you, you couldn't go out of your house just i mean you could go out just to get some groceries and nothing else but then when they started to open a little bit we started to go to the studio you know and making some sketches and uh recording some songs and if i have to say something that was good about this you know it's like there was a lot of collaborations going on with some different artists everyone had plenty of time to do it because maybe if not, they were touring or recording their, their their albums. So I was like calling a lot of artists that I admire and say, hey, 
do you want to do a collaboration with me? Maybe I can write music and you can write some lyrics. And I, I, I recorded a lot of stuff that I will be releasing in this next few months. Well, that's great. At least there's at least some material came out of it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's, like I say, you know, it's it gave me the possibility to work with uh, with a lot of artists that I really uh, like what they do. You know, and uh, really, I mean, main artists here from Argentina, from Spain. Even Rich uh, told me that he was going to participate in some of of the songs that I will be recording. So it's it's great. You know, it's a, it was a an opportunity to do these things that maybe with a with a normal year with everyone touring or doing whatever they would do i mean maybe it was more difficult to to get that, those things going on well you mentioned uh, rich there it's uh probably uh, you know as far as fan favorites go you're probably the the most recognizable and the most favorite amongst the fans uh, from his solo band and, and in the Magpie too. I, it's it's interesting to me, how did you uh, first meet up with Rich and, and be, get involved musically with him? It, it, was, it is a really nice story, you know, and very interesting because, I, I, well, like you, I'm, I'm a huge Black Rose fan, you know, and I went plenty of time of times to the U.S. To, to see them play, you know, and I remember the first time, my first show was at the Brewery Badge in Biloxi, Mississippi. I was at that show. <laughs> 2009. Yeah, yes, I was there, I, yeah. It was a great show. I remember it was my first show, and I was and I couldn't believe that. And I was just standing in front of Rich, and I even got his pick from him, you know, and I still have it in my wallet. So, That's great. Yeah, it was great. And I, I was supposed to come back to Buenos Aires a week, a week later, I remember that the, the, the Wani Festival was going on a, a few days after the, the, the show at the Biloxi, so I went to see the Allman Brothers band, and then I was supposed to fly back home, and I changed my flight, and I went to New York and went to the to the show at the uh, at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom, another great show. I was so excited, you know, my first time seeing the Black Rose, and uh, I remember uh, I got in the... In Rich's web page, you know, and I, I went to the contact thing and, and and wrote an email, like saying, I don't know who's managing this mail account, but if you can send this to Rich, I will be very happy and saying some nice things about him, you know. Uh, I always admire admire him, and uh, of course I didn't get a reply, but you know, like seven years later, I was playing with him and I and I showed him. <laughs> The, the email and he was laughing and, and it was a great story because you know uh, I was here in Buenos Aires you know and he was doing a question and answer when he was releasing uh, the ceaseless site he was doing a question and answer on Facebook I, I remember every Monday for a month and there was a lot of people asking questions and I just paste a link for to a video on YouTube I was I was playing one of of his solo songs you know baby from paper. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a version. I was playing the Dobro, you know, and I, I I wrote, "Hey man, if you have a minute, I will love you. If you can, if you can hear it or or watch it or whatever." And I didn't get a reply. But eight months later, I was walking down the street here in Buenos Aires. I just, I, you know, I played with my father for like fifteen years by then, and I quit my father's band because I couldn't stand him anymore. And I was <laughs> I was really in a bad 
place at that time, you know, thinking of what I was going to do. And then uh, I received that Twitter message from Rich saying, hey, man, I like your playing. Would you send me some of your uh, of your stuff? And it was it was a bit, I, I remember running back home to see if that was his uh, official account, of, if, if it was some friend like fooling with me. And uh, but it was him, and, and then we started like a relationship, you know, exchanging some emails. By 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 that time, he was uh, he had the, the circle sound. He was that that label he had, and uh, he was asking me, "Hey man, I would love to produce some of your songs. I would like you to bring you here to the U.S. and maybe work together." So that's that was the first thing that we were coming up together. And then in 2015. He was playing the Wani Festival, and I was going as well because I knew Greg Oldman. So uh, yeah, Greg's friends was inviting me, and I said, "Hey, man, I, I saw that you you're playing at the Wani. Maybe it's a good moment uh, for us to meet, you know, in person." And he said, "Hey, of course, man. I, I will leave you passes at at the, at the box office." And that that was how I met him, you know, in person. Him and all and the whole band. I remember. Joe was there, Matt was there, and uh, and Ted Pecchio. He was he was playing the bass with with him at that time, but he didn't have a, a second guitar player. So uh, I asked him, "Hey, if you're looking for a guitar player, and then I'm more than available." And and a couple of months later, he he wrote me an email saying, "Hey, man, I would love you to to come here, and maybe we can get together and play and and see if it works out." And so I, so I did, and you know he was doing an art, an art. Um, he was doing at the Morrison Gallery in New York. He was doing an art show, and I went with my acoustic guitar, and we played three songs. And he said, "Hey, man, I would love you to be if you, if you can be in Nashville in two months. Uh, I would love you to play with my band." That's yeah. great, man. See, I always thought that the addition of the of the of you on the second guitar really filled out the sound of his solo performances a lot more and you guys really played off of each other really well did you find like right away you had kind of an instant chemistry guitar playing wise yeah yeah it happened at the at the the first time we played at the, at that art show you know with two acoustic guitars you know i was i mean I, I have to be honest i was so scared i was so intimidated by the you know I, it was my dream and i thought that i fucked up because i remember <laughs> yeah i remember i i I showed him like a list of 40 songs that I have learned of his solo albums, and he didn't want to play any of those. He asked <laughs> me to play three different songs, you know. He, he and that was he, he was he was like he wanted to take me out of the things that I known and see how I responded of, of, of songs that I didn't learn, you know. And and it felt great. For him, that's what he told me later. You know, I, I, he told me that the first two notes that you play, I, I, I realized that I can play with you. But I was—I remember that night. I was like, F I fucked up then because he didn't—he didn't say nothing that that same day. You know, and I went to sleep and I say I fucked up, man. I had the opportunity and I fucked up. And then the, the next day he called me, and we met for for a coffee, and he was like, Hey, man, I love your playing, and I want you to be to be there at, in Nashville when we start rehearsing. Well, we've heard from uh, several people that were in Magpie and then his solo band and then also in The Crows that he's kind of notorious for uh, 
just springing stuff on you at like sound check. So that sounds like that's par for the course. <laughs> exactly. And I remember when, when uh, he told me that, I say, hi, man, I'm, I, I promise that I won't let you down. And he said, I know that you won't let me down. And well, I will send you a Dropbox later. And when he sent me the Dropbox, there were like 136 songs, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> 136 songs. And I was like, I had a less than two months to learn all, the, all those stuff, you know, all that stuff. I, I, and, uh, and when I... I, I Went back to Buenos Aires and I, you know, I locked myself in my basement with the guitar and, you know, making notes and, you know, I learned the, all those songs. I learned the 136 songs. And when I got to Nashville, he was like really surprised that I knew everything. So he was like, man, thank you. And I really appreciate the work you did, you know, because I, I really prepared myself, you know, it, it was my, it was the dream of my life and uh, I, I, I wasn't going to, you know, uh, fuck that up. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's really impressive. I mean, because a lot of his solo stuff, the playing is really intricate on it. I mean, really intricate and very layered. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yes. And, and the, 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 the tempos that he uses, you know, he's, it's, it's not like a one four, you know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of songs are like vaults, you know, in pre, and it's kind of weird, you know. Maybe, especially when when he starts to jump, you know, maybe it's it's not that easy to know what where the one is, you know, the the time, you know, the one. So, and but I always, I mean, I I, I heard his music my whole life. So, and you know, I, I said to him, I mean, you, you will have. The happiest man on earth. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that was a plus, you know, because if if, if maybe if he hired uh, like a, another guitar player, someone from the from the from the stage, you know, maybe he will be happy with that gig and he will be there, you know. But to me, it was you know what I always dream of. So I was really so excited, so happy to be there. I mean, everything was to me was. A dream. I mean, I remember sometimes they were like, "Oh man, there's not too many people in this room, you know, that we're playing." And I was like, "Okay, man, that's." I was so happy. I I didn't mind if there was like twenty people or five hundred, you know. Well, that must have increased, you know, a hundred times more so when, in the summer of 2016 at Woodstock, all of a sudden there's Mark Ford and Ed Harsh. I mean, that must have been. That must have amped it up even that much more. So, how cool was that to 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 be part of that uh, that whole performance? Yeah, well, I, I knew that Mark was coming even before I went to the rehearsals. You know, and he told me like a couple of weeks after that audition I had with him, uh, he called me and said, "Hey, Mark Ford is is coming. He he will play some songs at Woodstock." And Eddie was not supposed to come by then, you know. And then when I, we were uh, at the beginning of the tour, you know, because I remember Woodstock was like a month later, that a month after we started the tour. So, and the first week he said, "Hey, maybe Eddie will come," and we were all excited, especially Spen and uh, to see Eddie again. And then when when we got to Woodstock and Eddie was there, and then Mark came in. I mean, I remember that they 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 didn't see each other for like ten years after 2006. So. I was, uh, I felt very privileged to be there, you know, in that reunion with, with them, you know, uh, 
after all that time, you know, and and watching them play and and having the opportunity to play with them, it was it was something very. I mean, the people who were there uh, really felt it. it. It was something that really nice that was happening there. You know, it was the birth of Magpie. You know, and uh, and it was. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel I feel very grateful with 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 life. You know. For the opportunity of of being able to have been there. Well, that what you're describing, that kind of that vibe, it, it really seemed to carry through. At least, you know, the first Magpie tour. I mean, I saw many shows on that 2017 tour, and it always seemed like everybody was having a good time, and everybody was feeding off of each other's playing. I can remember distinctly because I was on the side that you and Mark Ford were on, and I can remember. Mark should have taken the solo, but he turned to you and he and he and he told you to take the solo, and he like patted you on the back afterwards. It just seemed like a very nice atmosphere. It was. I mean, uh, you know, and to be honest, you know, when when Mark came on board, uh, I thought that my days were <laughs> were off. I mean, I, <laughs> that that's that that's it with, for me. You know, I mean, I, I'm just I'm going back home. You know, and then Rich asked me to to stay. You know, and uh, I'm grateful with him for that, you know, because it would have been easier to let me go, you know, than to have me there, you know. It was another salary, another mouth, you know, for food and another room in hotels. And there, I mean, Magpie was about Mark and Rich being together again, you know. So for me, it was an year, a special year, a very special year, you know, of uh, having the you know the chance to play with with two of my guitar idols. You know, and it like you say. I mean, it was all laughs. The vibe was great. Everyone was having a good time, and and it was. I, I remember playing on, in all those venues, like you know the Hampton Beach. You know the the casino ballroom that I, I I was thinking. I mean, eight years ago I was here at this same venue on the audience, you know, watching them and now I'm playing with them here in the, in, I mean, the, on stage with them. And it was really, you know, it was the proof that if you really wish and, and you really want something to happen, I mean, it's possible, you know, nothing is impossible. Well, what was it like, you know, you didn't get to spend too much time with him, but what was it like sharing the stage with Ed Harsh? Well, it was, I mean, to me, when I, it was, I mean, he's the best keyboard player that I've heard. I mean, he's up there with Chuck Level and Nicky Hopkins. I, I mean, his taste playing, I mean, that flowery playing, and it was so, and and he was such a great character. I mean, we really got along, you know. I remember before Woodstock, I mean, we, we got to Woodstock to rehearsals, you know, and but we had a gig. Uh, it was close to Woodstock. I don't remember the place, but uh, I remember he came and he he's he sat in to play nonfiction and and uh, and I think uh, wiser time and uh, and we and I say I'm gonna get an ice cream, you know. We it was uh, before the show and he was hey man I will go with you and <laughs> so I was well I'm a huge blues fan so I was asking him about his time with Albert Collins. You know Albert Collins is one of my favorite guitar players as well and uh, I was asking about that and he was telling me the night that he played with Buddy Waters and he was such a great guy and I, and I think that he had a, a really great time at, 
at Woodstock, you know, it was like a, a, a really nice goodbye for him, you know, uh, like he came and uh, played with Rich again, with Mark, with Sven and got to say hi to all the people that loved him, you know, and loved his playing. And then it was very sad, you know, uh, I didn't know him that much, you know, but I remember, you know, Rich was devastated. So, so was Sven. I, I, I didn't know Mark that well when when Eddie passed, you know, but I remember Rich and Spen were really devastated. It seemed like that might have been the catalyst to uh, to make that like a, a full-blown tour kind of thing, like uh, it kind of gave the band a new direction in, in a way. Of course, and, and and I think that, I mean, the, the greatest moment of that tour was that, that first song that we played at the Gramercy Theater, you know, descending with all the intro, and I think that was the the highest moment of that tour, you know, for everyone, for the people who were there, you know, in the audience, and for us that we were uh, on stage, you know, it was, and it, it, if it was so great for me, I can't imagine how it was for for Sven, for Mark, and for Rich that that share all those moments on, and all that music with him, you know, it's, it was a very special moment. And, and I think, yeah, it had a lot to do with, with us having a great time and, uh, you know, and enjoying what we were doing. That definitely was a, uh, a special moment. I was there and I, I think that I was so glad to be a part of that because it really it's probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen on the stage, to be honest with you, because it, it, there was a lot of emotions in that room, I'll tell you. Yeah, of course. I mean, and and, and you know, uh, it, it was happening even before the the, the, the first show uh, went on. You know, all those the, the, the days before that show, we were in at Bushtok as well. We were rehearsing at, at Upperhead. You know, and the vibe there, you know, was was so good. And I remember I was staying at the at the cabin in the studio where Eddie stayed when we did the Bushtok sessions, and I was I was sleeping there with Eric Preto. And with Doug Redler, my, my good friend Doug, we spent all the nights there talking about Eddie. They were telling really good stories, you know, and there was a lot of emotion going on even before that show. So that at that moment, everything exploded, you know, with the video and, you know, the uh, it was the, the cordon, you know, and then playing with Descending. It was so good. I mean, I, I think that was one of the, greatest moments of my life well nico you know we've had uh sven and mark and uh slocum on and charity and they all talk about that first tour just being just one of the greatest musical experiences they've ever been a part of because it was it you know we talked about this with sven it seemed really communal the fans were there because of the music the band was playing all these really obscure deep tracks and covers and you had john singing and it, it is that what it was really like? It was just this kind of like a big celebration of music? It, it was just like everyone felt it in the audience, you know. It was it was really pure and organic, you know. And, and, and we were having such a great time on the bus, on sound checks, you know. Every, everything was great, you know. I, I, I don't know how, how it was after, you know, on that last year of the Magpie, but I can tell you that that first year was something very special and and I was so glad to be there. I mean it was amazing, you know, I'm playing all this those venues, you know, at Fillmore at Fillmore West, the Red Rocks and it was so good. I mean yeah, I mean you can 
you cannot fake it with music, you know? I mean, if it's not going well backstage, it will not feel that way with the audience. So, I mean, what everyone felt it, it was what, what was really happening, you know? Uh, Rich was so happy, you know, and Mark was so happy as well as Ben. It was it was amazing, and and like I say, you know, because I I felt it like a gift because I remember I I was when we were doing the Rich Flux tour, you know, I was I was roommate with Sven, you know, and uh, and I was like, hey man, Mark is coming on board. I think I'm going back home, and he was like, say no, man, please no, you have to be here because. You know, everyone felt felt that thing from me. You know, I was so excited that I I was bringing joy to them. You know, because they were like, "Okay, man, we're gonna have to play this gig," and I was like, "Hey, man, we have to play this gig." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, I, I was, uh, you know, I, it was contagious. You know, everything the vibe was contagious. Well, growing up, you know, growing up a Crows fan, playing with those guys, and obviously for the most part, Magpie kind of steered clear of the hits. Uh, you know, every now and then they'd throw in Jealous again or something like that. As a Crows fan, what was it like for you to get to play some of those deep tracks and unreleased songs? Oh, it was it was great because, I mean, I was, as a, as a Crows fan, I, I was looking forward to play all those songs, like Feathers, you know, or Paint and Eight, Exit, you know. I, it's, it was just, I was always hoping that Rich will come up with one of those, you know, like Bewilder, you know, and I was like, oh, I hope that he will, he will, he wants to play this one next gig. And and we we didn't know until like two hours before soundcheck that w- what we were going to play that night. Or maybe the night before he would say, hey, he would send a text to all the band and say, hey, tomorrow I would like to go over this song or uh, like Waiting Guilty or uh, Their Grosser Rose or some deep cuts that like Pastoral, you know, and I, I never heard Pastoral before. That one's, that, that was one that I didn't know. So, <laughs> it, and it was a lot of work, you know, and I was so happy to do it. I will, I will like log down in my room, you know, and, you know, I, I would learn this thing really good, you know, and then we would, we go to Soundcheck and maybe like, going over that songs and, and, and no one knew them like because Rich hadn't played those songs for for a while as well so like hey how how this will go and I will show him I think it goes this this way I was respectfully you know but but I was like I think it goes this way this is the the B part I remember one of the shows that when when Mark broke a riff uh, the first show it was in in Tulsa I think he didn't play and I was supposed to, you know, play all the solos that Mark played and, and we played uh, one of my favorite that is uh, Thunderstorm 654 and mm. playing that song, it was one of the of the highlights of the tour as well. That's a great tune. That's one of my favorites too. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was always nice and the covers as well and the covers uh, Rich was really open to to everyone to like recommend a cover. Hey, what do you think of if, if we play like True Blue from the Faces or this song? And we'll say, hey, that's a great one. Why don't we play this one? And and I, and I even got the honor of writing the, the last ses, set list of uh, of the show at the Borgata. That was the last show with the you know with that lineup. 
And Rich was coming from New York. He was driving to Atlantic City, and he sent me a text. Hey, would you like to write the set list for tonight? That's cool. <laughs> and I was like, so I wrote the set list, and it, and it was it was really good. So it was Nico's choice that night. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Nico's handpicked first set list. Make it. Uh, he told me, make it easy. It's the last show of the tour, you know. But I, I, I remember, like, okay, well, what would you like to play this song? And I'm, because I have to choose, you know, uh, two Mark solo songs and two of the richest solo songs as well. I remember it was a it was a great show, but I think that we have it, it wasn't um, good to end up at the Borgata because it was a very big venue, you know, and it would have been better if we if we have closed the, the, the tour up with the shows at the Irving Plaza. Did you did you kind of know ahead of time that they were going to scale it back after that, or was that, that kind of come as a surprise to you? Uh, no, I mean, like like I told you, I, I, I knew that my days were counted when Mark came on board, you know, I, I, because, like I said before, you know, that, that that thing was about Rich and Mark together again, and I was a fur guitar player, and I'm, I mean, I, I'm more happy of of the year that i was there than sad about the year that i wasn't there so i mean you you could expect something you know because not not in every city was was going well i mean the, new york was great chicago was great atlanta was really good and uh san francisco la but there were some some of the cities that we played that i mean it, it wasn't viable there was not many people in the audience just to get that thing going on you know so it wasn't a surprise when they uh, they cut down the band well we um we recently talked to dave o'grady and he told us uh some funny rich stories and you know rich when he's with the crows he's very stoic on stage and you don't really see a lot of smiling or whatever but there was a lot of smiling at the uh, at the magpie shows do you have a funny rich story you can tell us <laughs> well i have a lot of Funny rich stories, but I don't know. If, I don't know if, if if I can if I can tell them here. Yeah, no. I mean, he's he's a really funny guy. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. You know, uh, and he he has a really good sense of humor. And you know, I really got along with him. And and he was. He, I mean, even when um when I got the call from him saying that I was not I was not going to be part of that tour. You know, he always kept in touch with in touch with me. You know, and I always. Um, kept talking he called me once a week and we we still talk almost every week so he's a very good guy i mean I, i'm very grateful i know that there that a lot of people are mad about the way it ended with him but i mean it, i think it's not it's it's i mean it, they're not right i mean there's a lot of things that were going on that that made made it impossible to 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 still doing that thing i mean to, be with the magpie you know it, it was they were losing a lot of money and the money came from rich so it, it wasn't viable so you said uh you flew to san francisco to see the brothers of a feather what was that like uh it was great i mean the, the, i mean i didn't i didn't meet chris until uh that the rehearsals that the first one they were doing uh at the black cross reunion in new york when they played uh, at the bowery so i was i was kind of intimidated about meeting Chris, you know, because, uh, you know, you heard all these stories of if you're, if you get along with Rich, you cannot get along with Chris. And I was like, 
how is going how is it going to be you know and and chris was really cool with me at the, at the first minute you know and i remember uh going into the rehearsals and chris was really great and 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 then after the show at the bowery we went to the bar at the bowery hotel and i stayed all night there with with uh with rich and chris talking you know and they're they're in a really good place right now and I think it's something to celebrate, you know, and, uh, you know, two brothers there that, that can make amends, you know, after so many years of not talking or, or about, you know, saying bad things about each other, you know, and I think yeah, because I know that there's a lot of people like, hey, you cannot be back with Chris. I mean, because you said this or whatever, and it's, it's just you cannot judge a family. I think that family is something that you cannot judge. I mean, they're brothers. They can not speak for 15 years, 20 years, or whatever the time they want. They want, and then if if they if they make amends, it's something to celebrate. Outside of the music, you know. And and then when I went to the Brothers of Papa show, that's when I really got along with Chris. I mean, <laughs> and we started to talk about music, having a beer here, and Rich went to the hotel to change, and I stay at the dressing room with Chris talking about music and he loves some of South American music like Peruvian or Colombia and so I'm I'm sending some records from here and it's it's amazing I mean for to me you know to know these these two guys that wrote all this music that means so much to me you know and and know that they're really cool you know and and the shows at Portland and San Francisco with the Brass of Affair were really great. And I, I, I think that there was something similar of uh, with the Magpie, you know, because they were laughing and they were really getting along. I mean, maybe no one knows this, but I was I was there with them, you know. I was in the car with them. I was in the backstage with them. And they were, like, laughing, making jokes, and getting along. That's key with them. That's very good, you know. Yes, of course, you know. And they're writing some really good music man that's what we keep hearing that they may have uh, like two albums worth yes well rich showed me a couple of the sketches and 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 they're really great songs i mean they're they're they're, they're having they're writing really good material man and, and and people will be like okay man <laughs> we were we were wrong about what we think about this reunion was about you know because it, it is about music and and them getting along you know and it's it's just great. I mean, as, as a we we will have a lot of really good shows and really good music coming on. Well, I think one of the things I'm most interested about that is because we haven't heard, you know, any material from them since before the frost, which was kind of a little bit of departure from them. You know, about half of it was more country slash folk type music, and yes. then then you know the actual album that was released was obviously recorded live. But his solo material, I think, progressed in a way that I think is going to be interesting to see what he brings to a band dynamic with Chris now. Because, like, Ceaseless Sight, that's an amazing record. And then Flux was really good. And they all have those, like, rich signatures on them. You know, you can not even know who's singing. You know, this is a Rich Robinson song. So I'm just wondering, like, like if you've, if you've seen some of the sketch, you don't have to give anything away. Does it does it sound like some of his solo stuff is gonna is gonna go on with this with Chris or is it just he just gonna crank it up and uh, hit those hit those big chords? 
yeah, it's just like that. It's big chorus. It's it's rich in sound, you know, and great singing. And you know those those songs, like even some of the songs in 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 high water, you know, even you can know that it's rich playing, you know, and and, and with Chris singing, it's it's something really good and it's very rock. Right? It's it's a, it's a it's gonna be a rock album, I think. You know, from what I heard. It's, I, I think definitely it's more a uh, rock album than Before the Frost. I mean, I don't know when it's going to come out. I don't know where, where, when are they going into the studio, but I hope they're, they're doing it soon, maybe in one of the, uh, on the weeks off they will have with this upcoming tour, you know. Speaking of uh, songwriting, you have uh, two solo records at this point. Uh, 2015 you had Nico, and then... 2019 was Volviendo, right? Uh, Volviendo, very good. Yeah, yes, Volviendo. Yes. <laughs> and they're both excellent records. I, I especially um, Nico, because I'm a little more familiar with that one. I think that's great. But why the choice to, to do all instrumental? Well, the, 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 the mainly thing about doing it instrumental is that I suck at singing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know that, like I said, you know, I was in 2015. When, when that album came out, you know, it was, I mean, I, I played with my father uh, until 2014, at the, at, at, until the end of that year, you know. So the things that I was writing were mainly instrumental stuff because I always uh, wrote an instrumental stuff for my father's album, you know, for, for that band. So I had this lot of instrumental songs and I said, well, I, I don't want a, a lot of time to to pass between my departure of that band and releasing something because, you know, maybe later it's going to be, oh, well, who's that? Oh, the guy who two years before. So I wanted to release something really fast. And that was what I had at that time, you know, and and it really worked out because here in Argentina, there's not so many bands that play instrumental stuff. And it's, it's not only that, you know, I, I sing some covers and I always have some really good singers, some friends of mine that that comes to the shows and we play covers. And and then the next album, you know, I, I even won a really important award with that album. So it was really amazing for me because, you know, I was it was tough, you know, you know, to leave the band with with my father, you know, because you're in a comfortable place, you know, in a the comfort zone you play with your family and you're doing good money and people is going to your shows and it was a really good thing we had going on but i was i was having a really hard time you know that's why i say that i understand rich and chris and you know family when when there's family involved in a band it's very it's tough you know it's difficult it was there there was a moment that i i mean I, i didn't speak to my father for more than a year and uh and then when when you start doing your thing, you you think it's gonna be harder, you know, and and it's not like that, you know. When when you close a door, uh, maybe three doors open, you know. That's a that's the message I wanna I wanna give because it was that I was scared to leave the band. I, I didn't. I, I took too long. It took it took me a long time to to quit that band. And when I did it, everything started to happen, you know. A lot of uh, artists that I admire, hey, you want to do something? Hey, come to my studio. I will help you with this. And then I I won an award and I was getting all these good critics. And, you know, it's something that pushes you to, you know, to keep writing. 
and with the second album, I started singing, you know, and I have a nephew who's 22 years old now, and he's a great singer, and he started singing with me, and, and we have these songs, and it was a great album as well. I'm, I'm very happy with, with both of them. And I got Sven playing on, on Volviendo in one of the songs. My oh, good is that friend. right? <laughs> yeah, he plays in one of the songs. Sven is, is my good friend as well. Like uh, I always kept in touch with Rich, with Sven, and with uh, with my buddy, Doug Redler. He's, uh, <laughs> he's great. And uh, Sven comes, uh, comes a lot to Argentina, you know, and, and, and he came to the studio and recorded, and then he came uh, in one of the of the shows that I was doing, and he, he sat in and played with us, and it was great to have him. That's fantastic. I mean, both of those records are, are really excellent. I, I love them, and I hope, I look forward to the next one, you saying you've written this uh, all this new material. Is it going to be along the same lines as before, or is it are you trying out something different? No, it's, it's going to be uh, like the same line, yeah, but maybe... When I'm doing these collaborations with the different artists, uh, maybe I, I have to, you know, like getting in the things that they do just to make it, you know, work, you know. So it's going to be, maybe some songs are going to be different, you know, uh, but but it's it's always this, the things that we like, you know, a lot of organ, a lot of Wurlitzer, piano, <laughs> slide. And I, and I really like the, the, the thing that on my band to have two keyboard players, you know, one that plays piano or Rudiger and the other one playing the organ. And I have the upright bass player. I really I really like the the sound of the upright bass, like the Wood Brothers. The Wood Brothers is one of my favorite bands, so uh, I, I really like that sound, you know. So it's always going to be like this acoustic thing and a lot of slide playing and that's the, the where I, I I feel more comfortable. Speaking of Sven, man, you know, obviously we had him on a couple of weeks ago, and man, what just—he's just a joy to talk to. Everybody just seems so nice, just seems so complimentary of one another, almost like there were no egos involved with all of that. Well, it was like that, you know, uh, that, that first year. I mean, there was no egos, um, like you said at the for, at the beginning of the conversation. You know, Mark will give me this solo to play. And Rich will give me this solo to play that, and I knew that they will. It will. It could have been like, hey man, you can, you will play acoustic, you will play rhythm guitar, and stay over there and just don't bother, you know. <laughs> and it will. It would have been okay, you know, because I was expecting something like that. But you know, uh, to my surprise, it was. It was. Uh, everyone was very generous, you know, with 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 me. And with everyone, it was this, you know, this thing, this uh, fraternity, you know, like it was this brotherhood, you know, like thing going on there, you know, and it was really, really nice. Well, will you be flying to the States to see any of the reunion tour? Of course, yeah. I mean, if if the airport's open, I mean, <laughs> because now uh, we have this, this thing that there's not a lot of frequencies, you know, to the States right now, so... They're asking for like twenty five hundred dollars for a ticket to Florida, you know. So it's, oh, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and because there's a lot of people that is going there to get a vaccine, so they're taking advantage of that. But but of course, I, I would go. I was thinking about uh, going maybe to the Northeast shows, you know, like Jones Beach, or 
or if not, maybe the ones that I would I would like to see are the ones at Red Rocks, you know. And Rich is inviting me, in and it's always saying, "Hey, man, it would be really cool if you come to some of the shows." And uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it, you know. I think I think it's gonna be a, a really great tour, and I think it, it's gonna be a, a a great future for them, you know. And who knows what what can happen. Well, Jones, Jones Beach is my neck of the woods, so we'll have to uh, say hello if you make it there. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I, I went, I went to see, I went to see the Crows there with Tedeschi Trucks Band in 2013. Oh, I was so, there. Uh, it was a great show. I mean, that was a great run, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, um, meeting Derek Trucks after, like I told you, I, I knew Greg Allman and and his friend, and I was at the. It was on 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 Greg's bus, and Derek came in. You know, it was a week after that Jones Beach uh, show and I was like man that was a great show because I went to Jones Beach and uh, and I went to the to the PNC at the New Jersey mm-hmm. uh, I went to that one with my girlfriend and I remember that I was saying to her you know I know that one day I'm gonna be there you know I don't know if if playing but I will be there with them just you know because I, I always felt that connection you know musically and that we we like the same music we 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 hear the same bands you know and and that's one of the things that i do with rich uh, every week you know he sends me stuff and i send him i look at this video of new bands that are coming in and 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 it's great you know it's there's like there's a a connection you know speaking of uh music what are you listening to these days well, you know, I, I always, I mean, stay in the in the roots. I always hear like uh, Mississippi Delta blues. You know, one of the things that I hear the most is Bland Blake, uh, Songhouse, Robert Johnson. You know, uh, Blind Willie Johnson, Fury Lewis. Those are my favorite players. Um, well, Little Feet. I love of Little Feet. Yeah, I, I love Little Feet. You know, from the new bands, I really, I really like the Wood Riders. I think they're great. I went to see them before the pandemic. I, I think was the one of the last shows they were given. You know, I went to the Oakland at Fox Theater to see the Wood Riders, and there was a band who opened for them, the Birds of Chicago. It was really good as well. But that's mainly I, I, I stayed like listening to. You know, old music. <laughs> well, I'm four. I'm forty years old, and I and I have and I have some troubles to digging the new styles. You know. Have you listened to Marcus King? Oh yeah. Well, Marcus King is he's he's a great guitar player, of course. Yeah, I really like Marcus King band, of course. Yeah. Well, Nico, we've been wanting to have you on for a long time, and uh, I'm glad we were able to make that happen. Um, it's been it's it's been really enlightening to talk to you because. You're kind of a breath of fresh air, man, with your enthusiasm. Make, <laughs> I was kind of in a bad mood tonight, man. You've, you've cheered me up. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, man. I, I'm glad to hear that. I, I was really looking forward to, to, to chat with you. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's just like I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm, I'm a huge Black Rose fan. I'm a huge music fan. And I, and I had the, that, you know, that I, I was blessed. The universe blessed me with that opportunity to play with with all these people that I admire and, and having this relationship with Rich and with Sven. And, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad to, to be part of the State of America podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I always, I mean, it's unbelievable to me that I'm here like talking about the Crows, like someone that was close to them. 
and I, I'm really I'm really glad to do it. I'm really happy to 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 be here. Well, we will uh, we will have you on anytime you want. So, uh, all right. So if you listen, you know at the end we always ask somebody to give us a song. So, what do you want us to play out with? Can be anything. Well, anything. I, I mean, there's a uh, well, there's a song that I was that I was listening to today. That is one of my favorite songs. It will be "For Yourself" by Little Feet. Okay. We can, Excellent. <laughs> we can definitely do that. And uh, as always, again, thank you so much for coming on. And yes, thank uh, you. here we are to play us out a little, little feet. Stay tall, everybody. Well, bye bye. Look at child, you're bound to change. You can't ever stay. Once again